going on guys welcome back to black and white church it's your boy ryan bruchette colton what's up dude is it snowing out there or what it is snowing out here um i mean by the time this releases it will not be <laughs> i think it'll be in march so it will not be snowing but it's like a little winter wonderland here we got an inch of snow um so all the roads are going to shut down because it's seattle and seattle's uh not really tough in that kind of dynamic. Like if this is back east, you'd need like at least nine feet. Um, but here, you get one inch and it's like, all right, <laughs> we're, we're, we're done. Close, close the schools down. I guess it, what kind of sucks now is that since we're all remote, you know, I can't take a snow day, you know, because I have to work yeah. remotely anyway. So it is yeah, what you it gotta is. grind, grind all the time. Yeah, yeah, grind, <laughs> grind all the time. Just you gotta, grind. Got to put those forty hours in, you know. Get it, get those, gotta get those do hours it, in. You because. Know? Because we got to do it. Yeah, that's legit, man. Um, let me tell you about some breakfast that I had today. All right. Uh, I haven't eaten breakfast today, a... so. Bro, that's okay. It's okay. I usually skip breakfast, but nice. I went on a bike ride this morning, so I was hungry. I went to Chick-fil-A and got a sausage burrito, not a chicken burrito from Chick-fil-A. How three wing four of me. Also, and th- did they, they serve sausage? Slapped. Yeah, I didn't even know. What is sausage? Is that pig? uh yeah i think it's like ground up whatever like because it's it's not hot dog if sausage is cow then Mm. all of their ads are a lie um so i i'm just a little confused right now i'm gonna have to look that up our our listeners if you you are meat experts if you are meat connoisseurs (laughs) feel free to to send us an email and say hey sausage is actually goat and we'll be like wow We'll just take your word for it. We don't know anything. So, yeah, we don't know anything. Well, that's fun, Ryan. Um, that's uh, Yeah, man. So it was dank. That's good. I, I normally just like, I, I honestly, for breakfast, I had two Starbursts. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a Reese's peanut butter cup because I have some leftover candy. Um, love and to see I'm it. just, I'm like 12 years old again. So it's great. It's a good time. Dude, I love that. I love that for you, bro. But all right, man. Let's, uh, this is our last episode of season one. Season one is mm. coming to a close. Fifteen episodes close. deep. Who would have thought? Not us. Not us. <laughs> yeah, not us. No way. Uh, legit, not us. This was like Eddie out of nowhere in some ways. But anyway, we're here. So for our last episode, obviously we're going to talk about other things in in season two and stuff like that. But um, for our last episode, we wanted to kind of focus in on well, what can I do about it? Because you know, normally, normally when someone listens to an episode or when someone engages us on social media, then they'll be like. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. I I get it. All right, I'm I'm tracking. I'm I'm trying to track. Okay, but what what can I do, Ryan? What what can I do about it? So Ryan, when when you often get asked that, before we get into like actually maybe what you can do, what is your first like emotional emotional gut response to when someone's like, okay, so what what can I do? Help? Like, can you can you point me in the right direction? Uh. So if you've ever been in the situation where there's a, like a car accident that was non-fatal, but like everybody gets out the car, you see it and they're just like, oh, okay, we're alive. And then they're kind of stressed. And then they're like, kind of that shock that happens. Well, one time I asked the guy who got hit, not the guy who ran into the person like, Hey, do you want me to call 911? And he's just like, bro, I don't know. I'm alive. That's all that matters. Like, he was just going into shock. And I was like, yeah, you probably shouldn't ask the guy who just got hit by a car 
to tell you <laughs> what to do. We got a lot and of traffic like, yeah, analogies here. We got I'm never gonna do that again. Street lights, car crashes. But that yeah, that's helpful. That is helpful. And so and so when people are like, Ryan, what do I do? It's like, okay, I just spent an hour and a half or two hours at a dinner table or an hour at like some sort of like addressing the church about this or just crying on stage for eight minutes about being black in America. Um, but you're the race guy, Ryan. Yeah. Race guy. So, so after I'm done with that, like just the, the emotional thing, people will go, okay, so what do I do? And then I'm like, sweet. I just am pouring out all like facets of my being so that you can just choose to like probably not do what I told you. Yeah. That's basically what happens. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's how it feels. It's like, why don't ask the person who's like in a raw or or sore or scared state or like, you know, amped up state to tell them tell you what to do. Like don't go to them and tell you yeah. what to do. A nurse comes in and resuscitates and just makes the decision. And like thinks about that and is trained for that because they know how to meet needs. So like, don't tell the person who is losing blood, "Hey, do you want blood?" Like, <laughs> it just feels like you're just getting missed. Yeah. Like, use your brain. Think about how to help people relationally. If yeah. you follow Jesus, especially, oh my gosh, we care for people. That's just mm. like Jesus 101. Yeah. So anyways, well, in the, in the midst of like. So it's like not only do you have to speak into every race issue or help every suddenly awake racial person or someone who's finally come to grips with some of their their whiteness maybe or some of their just dynamics in their family or their household. So you have to deal with all those conversations. But it's like you're also a human being and you're also a pastor. So like (laughs) if you use all of your energy and exhaustion on a very personal subject for you, like what do you got left for anything else? Um, But people are expecting you to not – it's like well then – Oh man, why is Ryan burnt out in youth ministry now? It's so surprising. <laughs> How did that happen? And it's like, well, he's having to carry the weight of all these white people's race conversations and carry the weight of like youth insecurity, youth uh, underdevelopment, <laughs> youth just depression. And he has to just yeah, carry baby. the rate of just, uh, you know, being a normal person who has, you know, passions and desires outside of single ministry. in the church, single in the church, another oh. layer. Um, exhausting all the married people with my singleness <laughs> uh, that resonates with my soul uh mm. man ryan i just can't wait for you to get married because then i won't have to <laughs> think about you being single and being comfortable about it anymore i won't like feel this dread in my heart for your singleness and <laughs> so i'm really excited Dude, for that i'm so day. glad man yeah it's, it's really gonna it's man. really gonna change you all right yeah. Um, well, when I hear this, I, first off, I'm like, I'm, I'm glad you're talking to me and not to Ryan. <laughs> That's normally with most race conversations. I'm like, I'm just glad you're, you're talking to me, a fellow white, rather than going to someone who's <laughs> a fellow white, <laughs> a fellow white, um, rather than going to That's someone awesome. who is, uh, already having to deal with it on a personal level. Cause for me, I can, I can opt out. It's, it's sometimes this is just an abstract conversation and I'm going to actually talk about that a little bit here in a second. Um, so I'm actually thankful at first that people come to me. Um, but then two, the second thought I have is like, why? Cause some, some people it's like, it's perplexing. They like, I have no idea where to start. And it's like, I appreciate that humility in some ways, but in other ways, it's like, 
dog, you got you got a bachelor's degree, don't you? You got a master's, don't you? Like you've been in school for 16 plus years. What what do you do with any other issue that you don't understand? You know how to figure that out. You know how to start helping. When mm. someone says, hey, we should help the poor, and you realize you need to help the poor more, I don't think you go run over to every homeless person or impoverished person you know and ask them, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I have no idea how to help you. Man, whatever could I but do? Colton, if I give them money, <clears throat> they'll just use it for drugs. <laughs> See, I mean, that's so that they don't even talk to them at all. So in some ways, it's 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 one step better than not talking to the black community or the you know impoverished community at all and just assuming what's best for them. So it's it's one step better than that. But it's still like you can still do some precursor work where Ryan doesn't have to tell you level one information. I mean, that's partially why me and Ryan are doing this podcast is so that we can give mm-hmm. these level one conversations to the world. Um, and by the world, I mean Arizona. And by Arizona, I mean Northeast Mesa. <laughs> um, so that uh, less and less. Uh, and Seattle. And Seattle. Oh, yeah. Well, but I, And all the OC. But Seattle kids. people aren't going to listen to it as much because they've already figured it out. <laughs> so that's, oh, that's the yeah, difference. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah, they already figured right, out, right. race, So we don't need to listen to anything. Um, oh, for sure. For sure. But they pointed. They, they, they had chop. So they figured race That's out. true. We did have chop and Chaz. It's the same thing. Um, <laughs> but. It's like one of those things where this is a level one conversation so that that way you don't have to ask Ryan about black on black crime. Now we're having a deeper conversation about the complex issues facing family instability in America as a whole, rather than meeting Ryan with like a, man, but Ryan, what do you think about black on black crime? It's like, well, man, dog, that is not the conversation uh, we want to have, especially when it's like someone's exhausted. It's like, again, I don't want to compare this one to one and I I don't want to offend anyone by saying this, but it's like with with a sexual assault victim. If you come at them, ask them what they were wearing that night, that is, one, an egregiously wrong question to ask. But two, it's like you you have such a fundamental lack of empathy yeah, and understanding. But that's that's right. how the black on black crime or black fathers hits. It's like, man, I got to get you just even on the same page with me or even in the same playing field before we can even have an honest conversation. That's exhausting. And then imagine having to do that with 50 plus people um, on any yeah. given month. So. That's why sometimes it's it's kind of exhausting. Um, not for me as much because again it's abstract. Um, but I do want to talk about. I want to read a quote um, from a book we're going to talk about a lot, which is called "How to Fight Racism" by Jamar Tisby. Um, and this is kind of talking about that abstractness I was talking about for us white people. Um, so this is what Jamar says. It's on page one hundred and nine. If any of you have the book and you want to <laughs> you want to read along, <laughs> uh, it says. One aspect of humility in cross-cultural relationships is realizing that this endeavor is not simply a matter of the head, but of the heart. Many people, particularly those in the racial majority, approach the issue of race and racism from a mainly cognitive and intellectual perspective. They treat the ongoing crisis of racism as an abstract, theoretical concept that can be approached in a detached and somewhat bemused manner. To some, racism is like debating whether the movie Die Hard is a Christmas movie. An amusing conversation for a while, but probably not one that matters much in your everyday life. Woo! So that's why sometimes we want to address at the start, because sometimes you come to Ryan. Again, to me, I can handle it. It's okay. But you come to Ryan or you come to some of your black friends, and it's like this is like a fun, you know, chivalrous, intellectual debate you get to have, where you kind of get giddy about it, where it's like, well, let me just play devil's advocate for a second, Ryan. It's like, okay, this (laughs) this isn't just this abstract, cognitive theoretical not really affecting any one concept we're talking about this is like real life stuff that's happening um and historically documented stuff that has affected people 
Um, so that's why I really love Jamar's emphasis on this is not just a matter of the head, although we will use our heads, but it's a matter of the heart. Um, and so almost it's like coming into this thing with a little bit of empathy. And I know that's that's probably true, a little bit of your <laughs> your reality, Ryan. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about um, white women's tears or <laughs> or white guilt in a different episode. Um, but yeah, but yeah. We can do that in a different episode for sure. It's a, uh, it's still something I'm percolating on. I wouldn't feel ready to talk about it now. Oh yeah, but it's like, <clears throat> oh my gosh. Oh yeah, so interesting. Yeah, and so before we get into stuff, um, I think it might be helpful to just address a couple of things before we get going because again, a lot of learning how to fight racism and where it exists is you know checking who we follow, checking how we're perceiving things. It's like a lot of perspective changing. It's a lot of influence changing um and so like first off there's just a lot of us that follow scoffers <laughs> um and if you don't know what i mean by that it's is like the people that just seek to destroy liberals or destroy conservatives um it's like the ben shapiro videos that have thug life on them where he like destroys a liberal at a convention or it's you know even sometimes aoc when she just like owns all the conservative congressmen um and although some of those times those things are funny or sometimes they're like they really resonate with you, we do have to realize that we live in a very opposition-centered um, political spectrum right now where even when we come to conversations like this, just like what Jamar was saying in the book, uh, we, we take an approach of like, I just want to be the devil's advocate. I just want to own you intellectually. I want to destroy your argument. Um, and the Bible speaks pretty hardly against scoffers and people who just scoff at other people's pain and, and scoff at other people's um, injuries. And so that's just one of those things. I mean, even for me and Ryan, I mean, I know we try to limit our amount of Twitter intake <laughs> just because Twitter is a bunch of scoffers. Um, but that that's something that uh, that kind of it is just, I think, something we need to check at the door. Because, um, again, that, that has no place in this conversation um, to just be be a scoffer. Um, but maybe, Ryan, could you, could you speak a little bit... Um, to maybe the people, I know you could probably speak into this, but the people who kind of just say, well, there's always going to be injustice in the world, Ryan. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll try to fight racism, but it's always going to exist. So we just have to wait till Jesus comes back. I know we kind of touched on this in other episodes, but um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's just, uh, honestly, I'm going to go meta here. That's like a result of systematic theology in the church just taking over. And when I say systematic theology, I'm talking about we have to have categories for everything and things need to fit into a box and stories aren't as important as, um, yeah, I think I'll just use the word categories again. And so it's like, we want to talk about God's omnipotence. We want to talk about his omniscience. We want to talk about, uh, justice and love, but only justice in terms of heaven, hell. Uh, then we want to talk about heaven as like this disembodied place where you like float off. <laughs> to when you die and the the nations in revelation 5 9 are just not really considered a lot in these categories um and the nations at the end of time and new jerusalem on and in the new heavens and new earth aren't really considered and so that kind of thinking has plagued uh largely i think the majority uh white evangelical um church for the last 70 years as this there's nothing we can do because that requires sacrifice i don't want to sacrifice but i don't either consciously or or non-consciously want to sacrifice, and then uh, I, it's not my problem, so it'll just fix get fixed when God fixes it. Hmm. And so justice isn't necessarily something that I am called to, you know, walk into 
in my body, in my understanding, like Jamar Tisby is talking about with, hey, this is a racist felt. I can keep this abstract. And then a lot of, you know, doctrines like predestination uh, being turned into a way that I don't actually think is rooted in Jewish thought uh, kind of says, well, I got picked. You didn't. I have this. You don't. <laughs> neener, neener, neener. Do. I got picked and you did it. <laughs> right. Uh, which really, if we pull on that thread, goes back to Nordic and like Germanic, yeah. uh, you know, gods saying you are going to heaven, you're not. And whatever that, you know, pre uh, um, modern era, like thinking was in nordic myths and whatnot it's like dude people are always just getting chosen and not chosen yeah. and we don't even want to talk about that that's like a whole other thing and so i think systematic theology kind of just like having too high of a place in our in our large thinking and and then pastors and leaders gatekeeping that in white churches and then the ideas of predestination uh, saying man you you're just picked you're not and and having a really small view that's not bartian or arminian at least in conversation uh really just creates uh, the very thing that uh, you know Calvinists especially don't want, which is an anatom antinomianism, whatever. <laughs> it's basically you just don't really do much. You just are like, cool, I'm safe, yeah. and it's fine. <clears throat> so that's that's my kind of thinking uh, when I think about this. As I'm thinking about this even pastorally, I'm like, man, I, we our theology is so off, um, and that affects uh, the justice component of. I think majority white churches. Yeah. And we talked about the culture a lot, but I really do think systematic theology has uh, kind of infected that thinking a, a ton. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, what influences culture other than belief and practices and disciplines and patterns? Um, and so, I mean, we're not even here to say that, you know, Calvinism is inherently bad or predestination theology is bad. Right. It's because it, we can even take the angle of like, even those who believe in those things vehemently fight taxes where I could say, man, taxes have always been around. <laughs> you know, taxes aren't going away yeah. until Jesus gets back. Um, For sure. And that's, I mean, in some ways, that's kind of how I treat taxes. So, you know, we all maybe pick our issues on what we, you know, are not going to let Jesus in heaven come to earth in. Um, but this is especially one of those that I see a lot of people just like, well, you know, I guess it's not going to come back. You know, is, is caring for the marginalized really a part of our call? I don't know. Like, I've had people accuse me right, of— right. Is that actually, like, I shouldn't give this homeless guy $2. Exactly. And I've, I've had people accuse me of, like, straying from the gospel or teaching false beliefs yeah. because I advocate for the least of these. And I, like, I get that, you know, ideologically, maybe my, my gospel might not be fitting in your cookie-cutter box. But I'm, I, I don't feel like I'm going that outside the realms of Jesus here. <laughs> um, I'm not going into this, like, yeah. super— superseding like you know well jesus is just love and so love is you know whatever love and love and love it's, it's not that i'm just saying this is directly what i see in the sermon on the mount and in jesus's parables about what we're supposed to do <laughs> with the poor my, and marginalized my dude gets off the mountain after giving the greatest probably teaching experience of all time and then just like heals a dude who's lame yeah like that's it it's like he wasn't even a wow. cool dude so no he just walks down and there's no like conference like all the girls coming up to you after the conference like oh my gosh jesus and then i have my it's assistant like, no, who's like shooing away the women so that way i can keep my billy graham rule okay anyway that's it oh, <laughs> we don't need to go into that <laughs> uh, oh, okay so then right before well before we get into this i have one more one more crowd i want to address um, before we talk about mm. some solutions um, and that's the crowd who might be listening to the last little tangent we went on and be like, yeah, 
yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I get it. I'm the one who gets it. Because um, that's, I mean, that's me and you in some ways. That's how we act sometimes. Um, oh, 100%. So, sometimes, yeah, bro. So that's <laughs> me every day, bro. I am the Tyler creator. I'm just meme trying right to protect now. myself like, a little okay. bit, Ryan, and saying that's just me. You know, I only sin in that way sometimes in the past. <laughs> you know, I'm a good sinner. I was, a, I sinned, you know, last week. Um, not right now. Mm. Um, but mm. for, the, for those of us who get it, this is something that's kind of, and I've talked to Ryan about this before. It's just, it's kind of one of my, uh, things that I really hit on and have been hitting on lately. There's a, there's this Christian crowd that has maybe left evangelicalism because they they see some of the errors of it, they see some of the the wicked ways or whatever. Um, but then they leave that and then they see anything happening with the church and it's just like, oh man, I can't believe the church is doing it this way. Or oh man, you could just put any issue with the church. <laughs> yeah, the church is so corrupt. Or I don't want to be a part of any Christian group or Christian church. And it's like, first off. I totally understand that because I have that anger sometimes too. But second, how white centering is that? That we allow white evangelical churches to determine our definition of church. Where it's like when we see the white evangelical church being corrupt, we then take away white evangelical as the adjectives before that and just use the label church and say the church is so corrupt. When you say the church is so corrupt, you are spitting on the global church you're spitting on the historic African-American church. You're spitting on so many different groups of, of people that are do not fit the white evangelical mold that aren't doing church that way. Um, and so it's one of those things where I get it. I get the pain. But at, at the bare minimum, can you at least add the adjectives of white evangelical? So that way, I mean, even with friends that I talk about this with or like colleagues, it's just like when I even say that, they're like, oh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I shouldn't center the white church as the only ex- true expression of church. But then the next week, I'll see him on Twitter again, complaining about Christians or churches. It's like, do you sure. realize how expansive and diverse that expression is of church in the world? Um, like, there's there's churches in China, churches in Iran. I think Iran's the fastest growing place for Christians right now. And you're going to lump yeah, Jesus' bride, the church, under this small little label of white American evangelicals? Um, so it's one of those things where it's, for those of us who get it, quote unquote, who get it, we've understood the plight or the problems with white evangelicalism. Let's make sure that we don't throw out the beauty of the church in the New Testament and the beauty of the church uh, that exists everywhere outside <laughs> of the capitalistic white evangelical American church. Um, and so I just played with people like, please, please use adjectives. Um, please d- like delineate what kind of church you're talking about, what kind of Christian you're talking about. Um, mm mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of us who maybe have some white guilt, and we're trying to like show everyone who's not a Christian or everyone who's left the church that like, hey, we we see the evil too, um, and I and I think that's good, but but sometimes what happens to us is that we kind of use that white guilt, and then now we just start stomping on everyone who's in process. Yeah, there there's some white evangelicals that need to move a lot on race, myself included. But it's never been helpful when you just stomp on their faces. Now, if the black community wants to be strong and, and use rhetorical language, that's great. But you as a white person who just came to racial awareness two years ago, I don't think we have the right to just spit on someone who's two years behind us. Um, because one, that normally just uh, radicalizes them. It alienates them. Um, you eliminate one of their only friendships with someone who doesn't uh, just sit in the blindness to, to whiteness or white privilege. Um, so this is mostly, again, I'm talking to myself right now. I need to be careful with how I interact with some white people, not because they, they deserve care, maybe at times, but because we might be their only lifeline 
um, to a way of healing, a way of restoration, a way of um, growing. Um, And and if we don't have any compassion or any just moderation, and not that we need to stop calling for racial justice and stop calling them to wake up, but it just, we can alienate people who will go on to become pastors, who will go on to become politicians, and will decide laws and do churches that hurt the black community. So we might end up hurting um, the very cause we're fighting for because we're, we're alienating too many people. Again, I'm not saying we can't be strong. I'm not saying we can't say it like it is, especially uh, us non, uh, non-white folk. But for us white friends, again, we, just, we came to racial awareness t- two years ago, and now we're dunking on white conservatives who were in the same spot we were two years ago. Like, what if that had happened to us? Do you think, you know, have you ever been dunked on? And you're like, man, I'd love yes. to hang out with that person more <laughs> and get no. to know more of what they believe. Um, so I just want to say no, those two things. if I get dunked on, Colton, I'm black. So what happens is it's like, oh, I'm so much better than you. You should be good. At <laughs> I'm better like, at basketball oh. than you, Ryan. Oh. And I'm like, I didn't play basketball. I played football. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but you, you, yeah. Still- yeah, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember exactly. Like We played basketball at the church growing up. And I remember people uh, being yeah, like, Ryan, wait, isn't Ryan supposed to be the good one? Yeah, dude. And it's like, uh, your older brother got so mad at me. Charlie, if you're listening, one time I like kept winning. I just kept winning games and we were just playing once and I just kept hitting threes and I couldn't be stopped. And uh, I'm not good. Yeah. So it was just really funny to watch everybody be mad at me. <laughs> He's not a big fan of losing to someone who's not good. <laughs> Yeah, which, which who is, is me. And who so is? I was like, you're welcome. Yeah. No, no one. Yeah. No one, truly. But it, it was funny. You have like me and my brother who are two like relatively unathletic looking white Italians with bad ankles. And, mm. you know, it's we true. can just ball. But can still dunk. <laughs> well, you guys don't No, dunk. we, we can't just, dunk because we're not athletic. The pass game is unreal. <laughs> anyway, true. that's for a different pod. That's for a different pod. Um, okay, different Ryan. Pod. It's for a different yeah, pod. Dude. Black different and white pod, ball. Dude um yeah anyway let's mm-hmm. uh let's talk about this arc model um so this is from jamar tisby it's from his book the color compromise yep. and how to fight racism um we'll link both of those in the footnotes or in the show notes um but this arc model basically it's arc um awareness right. relationships commitment um and this is kind of a, a short model jamar gives um jamar's a historian for those who don't know um a christian historian mm-hmm. uh and it's just kind of the short model he gives for the best ways to go about, you know, what can you do about it? How can you fight? This is what you do. Um, so, Ryan, do you want to start us off with A, the A and ARC awareness? Yeah, A and ARC and awareness, uh, it's pretty solid. I, I, I really like, um, I just like things that come in threes, you know, like the Trinity <laughs> and sandwich, San- sandwich layers, oh. bread, meat, things in the middle. Oh, you know okay, what I mean? yeah. Let's keep going with these uh, so things. No, let's a, keep going. I think this is good. Yeah, let's do what it. What else? Uh, let's go. Uh, no, I don't have any more threes. So anyways, so A is pizza. awareness. And so slices. This is, I, yeah, eat, I never eat two slices. I eat three, six, or nine. Nope. Um, three. Yeah, always multiple. Yeah, if I'm going to eat four, I eat six. If I'm going to eat seven, I eat nine. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just how I, I live. Um, right. For some people. And then we need the Old Testament. Yeah, the Old Testament, the New go Testament, ahead. the Apocrypha. That comes the in Apocrypha. threes, yes. or the Book of Mormon. That comes in threes. <laughs> um, oh man, there let's it is. see what else. For some people, uh, uh, maybe divorces come in threes. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, anyway, mm. so threes. All right, we get, we yeah. might cut that out. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah we, we'll probably cut that out okay so awareness is the quote head portion of the head hands heart triumvirate and so what jamara is doing is saying that awareness is kind of like instead of making the mental capacity and talking about the mental realities of uh, just kind of understanding data and the discrepancies in, between race and like history. That's your learning essentially. And instead of making that the only thing you do, it's just part of what you do. But for a lot of people in the white community um, or a lot of people who are not really up to speed, especially in the church with the reality of racism, what you want to do is you do want to give facts and you do want to give historical context and you do want to have data. And so the awareness piece is kind of where that starts. It's kind of the head portion um, and, and this is just to understand that you do need knowledge and information and data to fight racism. That's actually a straight up quote from Jamar. We affirm all of our five. Enneagram fives out there. We need you. Yes, we actually need you. And we need you to have the big picture. You need to like <laughs> hold the big picture intention for all the rest of us normies who can only see like in front of us or can only see relationally 10 years down the road. Um, so yeah, so that's awareness. Um, so it is the data. It is the, hey, well, Ryan, I, I hear you. Can you give me some stats? And I can be like, yes, as long as you're not just going to use these stats and say I'm wrong, uh, or <laughs> as long as you're actually going to read the resource I give you, absolutely. Here's here's what's going on between you know the, the percentages and the data. So this is even like Colton and these podcasts. When Colton talks about awareness, we do have receipts. We do have uh, links to articles. We do have percentages that are um, contemporary. Uh, and so we're not just trying to just say things you, you do want to create awareness with an informed way. Cause if you don't know anything about fighting racism, like in terms of, well, you got the wrong starting the facts point almost. and the data, what'd you say? I said, it's almost like you could have the wrong starting point, uh, if you exactly. don't have the right and understanding so, of the data and the history. Right. Right. And so it's like, you, you got to kind of have to know what you're getting into. And so that's yeah. the A that's yeah. awareness. Well, and even to add on to that for some people, I know, you know, some of my family included where it's like, well, there's just so much information out there. How can I know what's true? I, I resonate sure. with that deeply. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to believe. But the truth is still mm -hmm. the truth. The truth is still there. Um, so it might take more work in today's age, even though it, we thought it would take less work because of the information and the technology era. That's a great irony, dude. Um, but the, the, it is possible to find the truth. And we have to realize that there's a lot of revisionist history in America. Um, like a lot of, a lot of what we learned is not true. Um, that's why a lot of these resources I gave is to help us re-educate ourselves historically because a lot of it was propaganda. And yes, um, there is revisionist history in, in other things as well. Like I think in the eighties with the war on drugs, um, I think that we have some maybe revisionist history and assuming that the white people in the eighties were just like wanting to oppress black people, all of them. Um, when even like there's a large uh, amount of the black community that was supporting harsh penalties for these drugs. It just turned out that it was actually turned out to be terrible. Um, so even in that, we have some revisionist history on, on understanding the perceptions of the era and what people were actually trying to do um, rather than what the impact was. So just I just add that just so you know, I know there's revisionist history on the left, <laughs> but there's a lot of revisionist history on the right. And when there's just a lot of revisionist history and not left or right and just American history. I was going to say just America uh, is a revisionist history. Well, yeah, because we have uh, to be the greatest. Um, so we have to cover over all of the atrocities that happened in the wars we did because we just want to be the vic like the winner. Um, so yeah, if we didn't, wouldn't have dropped nukes on Hiroshima, it could have gotten worse, Ryan. That's true. And we're not going to tell you how bad it actually was after we dropped those bombs um, and what we did in uh, 
East Asia before we dropped those bombs and after in the Vietnam War. Anyway. Just start a few proxy wars and get rubber. Yeah. And oil. All right. But anyway. <laughs> Let's talk about the R. Uh, so we did awareness. R is relationships. Yep. Um, the good news okay. about relationships is that we already love this as evangelicals. <laughs> we already did all episodes We love on relationships. Uh, like, go hug a black guy, basically. Um, that's not what Jamar's <laughs> saying. That's, uh, that's something uh, different. That, that happened to me a lot, though. Yeah. I have had lots of hugs. That's hearkening um, back. After which we love hugs. Race. I mean, a single man, you know, we don't get hugs very often. You know, men, I think studies came out that men stop receiving hugs after about the age of 12. Um, that's like mm. when society decides they're no longer worthy of hugs. <laughs> so there's there's some psychology for you and how that affects men um, and intimacy going mm. forward. Um, but anyway, Gnarly. relationships. Um, Jamar basically talks about how we need relationships with the quote unquote other. Um, so for some of us, this means we might have to move neighborhoods um because i know some people they're like i just don't know any black people and it's like well that's because you live in a very white uh upper middle class area you know you don't have to live in a super nice house (laughs) as a christian like that's that's okay um to to not live in the nicest area in a gated community um but two sometimes we even jamar says that sometimes we only interact uh with minorities who think and talk and live and breathe exactly like us um and jamar's Mm -hmm. really focusing on Hey, that's great. That's awesome. I validate that that friendship and that experience. But also, we need to like interact with people who are coming from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different maybe even ideological backgrounds, um, to really help understand different perspectives in different communities. Um, and he he kind of really this isn't his forte. He's more on the awareness side, since obviously he's a historian, um, and maybe a little bit more on the commitment side. But he he's a big big fan of relationships, um, just because I mean even. Um, to give a, a side example, um, the reality is is that for the, the LGBT conversation in the church right now, the, the studies have come out that the number one reason someone changes their mind on that issue, who was previously maybe against affirming LGBT or affirming gay marriage, is because they had a close friendship or a close relationship with someone in the LGBT community. Um, right. So in the same way, I think, I mean, for me and my story, like because of Ryan, I, I think I've been way more discipled, way more conformed to the image of Jesus because he's provided a different perspective than I would have naturally had um, if I just kept all of my, my white friends from uh, suburban Mormon Mesa, <laughs> uh, which was, was most of my friends. Um, so that's kind of on relationships, Ryan. Do you have anything else to, to hit on with the relationships? It's not that long of a, a thing because pr- I think we all generally know how to do relationships somewhat, um, but am I missing anything? What else do you think about relationships? I think uh, Jamar has a has a little quote in uh, page five that is helpful for this, uh, but then I also wrestle with it. So yeah. I don't disagree with Jamar. I just I just feel that and the good the, news the, like, is, is that he's never going to listen to this, so he won't know if we disagreed with him. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, hey, who knows, <laughs> Jamar? If you're listening to this, it's February twelfth. Um, anyways, uh, he says there is happy no Valentine's Day, Jamar. <laughs> And Black History Month. That too. It's the shortest month. Yeah. There is no amount of probing coffee shop conversations you can have that will shift the racial segregation present in our public schools. So he's he's talking about the other one, commitment there, but I still think it bleeds back in the relationship. I think you can't start without one, though, mm-hmm. in some ways. And so the coffees that I had last summer and the coffees that I'll continue to have this summer – because it's not like George Floyd just happens and then we just don't think about it the following summer. Uh, 
those are necessary for the people that want them, uh, for people that do want to, to have conversations for, for the friends that are, um, uh, wanting to try to start somewhere, like don't snuff out a smoldering candle. Like Jesus is wanting us to, to go places with people who want to go places. And so for me, I, I, as just a leader, like I am a black man and that's part of how I lead. And yet at the same time, I know that I could say, you know what, if you're not going to be a friend or if you're not going to have a relationship with me and all you want to do is make me tell you the answers, whatever, I'll cut you off. But also in my pastoral heart, I recognize that, um, uh, conversations and sit downs do need to happen, especially for the friends that don't quote get it in the get it category, but want to be in the quote get it category. Uh, I do think it's necessary uh, to have to continue to pursue black friendships. So even saying like I have a black friend or I have black friends, maybe check those. Are they really friends? Are they acquaintances? <laughs> and and maybe it's time for a coffee. And maybe it's time for like, yeah. hey, uh, an awkward stumbling. Hey, I want a relationship with you. Can we can can we talk more? Can we yeah. hang out? Uh, I even have black friends. DMing me now that used to kind of go to Red Mountain or have been in white spaces for a long time. And and it's like, we all have to do the work of even my black friends or black acquaintances go, yo, we need to hang out and, and do this. Um, we can't just be mad about white people in separate spaces together. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So Well, and yeah. I think that's good about the, the friend. Like, <laughs> when, when we say friend, like, have someone who's different from you be your friend. Like, that's not just a Facebook friend. That's not someone you can say, oh, I right. had a conversation in the lobby after church with Ryan. That means we're no. friends. Um, it doesn't have yeah. to be best friends. Um, but, sure. I mean, there has to be, like, that level of intimacy where you have coffee or you have a meal or something where you invite, you know, them into your home or they invite you into their home. It doesn't have to be, again, a, an every week thing. Um, but this is, again, it, you can't just hide behind, like, well, you know, I, I talked to Ryan once uh, once every couple months in the in the you know, passing by. So that's like, I look, I have, I have a black friend and one time we talked and he, he, he seemed to like affirm one of my thoughts. It's like, well, that's, <laughs> that's not what we mean by relationships. Relationships are something that should refine you. They should challenge you. They should grow you. Um, they shouldn't just be something that reaffirms um, exactly everything about you <laughs> and where you're at in life at this point. Um, so Ryan, can you, can you take us through the C in arc and commitment? Yeah. Let's go to commitment. So this is kind of like your long game here. Uh, this is this is where, uh, as Colton was saying, the conformity to Jesus really has to become um, uh, like your nature actually has to shift, and and your desires and your co- uh, conditioning uh, relationally, how long you're committed to people. Like you know, we grow love for pe- groups of people. We grow love for the vocations that we choose. We grow love for uh, maybe marginalized or, or or people that are in our lives that um, are are needing attention you you kind of grow that love as you learn to love people uh tim keller actually has a quote on that is like you can't just wait on the feelings because feelings will go away it's your commitment towards people that really helps you love them and as you love them through whatever's hard for you you actually learn to love them to where feelings do arise and so the commitment piece is building uh it's past building awareness and this is enabling broad scale change this is from jamar on the racial on racial justice uh where that requires dismantling structures laws and policies and so this is i have awareness of the situation i have relationships that are helping me conform into the image of jesus and now i am committed to the restorative processes of whatever it takes for them to feel seen known heard not just on a one-to-one but on a uh i know you're gonna not like this word but 
systemic or systematic level. Hmm. And so that means how I'm going to vote is going to be more informed now. How yeah. I'm going to spend money is going to be informed now. How I'm going to donate to certain causes is going to be more informed now. And I'm going to keep doing that, expecting that Jesus will ultimately come and restore everything. But in the meantime, my calling, my witness as a follower of Christ is to do whatever I can to lift up and 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 build equity with those around me who are struggling um, and those who are uh, disadvantaged. And so this is the long game here. It's not just the social media post. This is the like, <laughs> I haven't posted about this in forever because I actually have been in the weeds for a year with this person learning and growing and, and looking at the ways in which I need to actually change my spending habits or or take some major step in, in helping them get to a place that they need to go. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the commitment uh, portion. This is long game. Can we talk about those social media posts for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, we can do that. You know the ones where it's like they made it on Canva? And it's like, oh. so you want to talk about the mass genocide of this I people had to stop following so you in want the to empire? Talk about <laughs> I had to stop. It's like this. I I love it because it's it's bringing awareness and it's helping yeah. people learn things they wouldn't know. Because Instagram is now a conveyor right. of information more than just comparing weird photos. Um, but it, it is funny sometimes where it's like, so you want to talk about how the rebels stormed the Death Star and destroyed everything. Oh. <laughs> It's like some like really atrocious thing and it's like all like flowers and pretty background and like artistically yeah, pleasing. Um, it's so Babylon, bro. I know. It's just like oh, marketing man. geniuses who are out here, yeah. you know. Again, I affirm the content. I just think it's funny sometimes when it's like Yeah. <laughs> it's saying something like really dramatic, but it's like in this like beautiful shade and font. <laughs> on canva death is all around us wow uh, nice moth background yeah uh, that's good yeah and i, I think yep. i mean this is something in my own life to to let you guys in on a glimpse um i understand the with the commitment side of things with this whole model there, there's a hard part of like man i don't want to i don't want to step in front of the black community so i'm hesitant sometimes to step um because i don't want to like you know put myself in front or center my experience or center my voice now granted i'm on a podcast right now so i'm kind of doing that already um but it's like i don't want to do that so sometimes it causes hesitancy um and then there's like there's other parts of me that's like i want to do this but i don't know and i i get i get that whole tension um but that's why again the relation awareness is so important so you know it's actually rooted in history rooted in truth relationships are so important because that way sometimes with ryan i can be like you know not that i have to do this every time because sometimes i can use my own critical thinking in my uh, history but i can be like ryan what do you what do you think about me doing this? Do you think this is too much of me kind of speaking into something I shouldn't speak into? Do you think it's me centering myself? Um, so that's why relations are helpful. But then three, at some point, we just need to take a step um, and be willing to face the consequences if we take a misstep. Um, like just to humbly yeah. humbly repent if we if we try, yeah. we thought we were doing something good and it wasn't. I got called out mm -hmm. um, a week ago and uh, for using some language that, that could be offensive to some people. And the more I sat in it, I'm like, ah, yeah, that that's fair. At first, I was really defensive. <laughs> like, I'm like, come on, I'm, I'm one of the good guys. I'm trying to help. Um, but it's like, no, that's fair. We got to be open to making mistakes and not saying things perfectly. Um, and so, like, a big part of, like, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to move into a community that's not, you know, predominantly white or high income or that everyone looks and thinks like me, um, but that might be a little different. So that way I can attend city council meetings that are really affecting their lives in my life. Um, I want to be in a place where like I can lobby for my church to pay reparations. 
Um, and we can talk more about reparations uh, in season two, uh, but that's something I, I want to do. Sure. Um, I could change the, the schools my kids go to. Baby Bonds, bro. <laughs> baby <What>? Bonds, bro. <laughs> that should be a... Should be baby bonds, bro. It's like a, it's like a tagline right there. Um, I'll start it, bro. I'll kickstart it. You'll dude. Kickstart. There actually are. They, there's talks of doing baby bonds, uh, just for uh, kids in general, and to like encourage family stability in America. It's actually in some ways kind of cool. But it's like, well, wait, wait, wait. Like white fatherlessness. Yeah, basically because or... white fatherlessness is on the rise. So now we're gonna care about uh, child and poverty. Oh, what a time to be alive. Um, yeah, that Colton. That's huge. Yeah, that's that's big stuff. Um. But then it's also like, okay, look, so I, my parents moved from one part of town to another part of town so that me and my brother could play under a prestigious high school basketball coach. So what if my family was as committed to racial justice as we were to high school basketball and we moved our family into community that we could actually be a part um, of, of helping people that are different from us, that look different from us, that act different from us. Um, so that's like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to change the schools my kid goes to and move into a different neighborhood in order to do that. And I think the last part of the, the commitment side, um, I might add another letter to Jamar's model and just S not because it's not clear in commitment, but I add the S, uh, for sacrifice just because I think for some people they can read awareness and it's like, Oh, that's great relationships. Oh, that's great commitment. Oh, that's great. Cause they already are like, I'm aware I have relationships. I am committed to racial justice, but for some of us white people, especially, Committing to racial justice means we have to sacrifice. Um, like commitment requires sacrifice. And I think for some people, commitment doesn't require sacrifice in their model, um, but it does. And so I think just to have that mindset that, hey, um, and a lot of stuff we talked about, like sometimes in America, we try to view our capitalistic free market system as a no victim system that you can just make money out of nowhere and it doesn't affect other people or other businesses or other careers or whatever. Um, but I think at least in the ancients and in Jesus's time, they had an understanding that when one profits, oftentimes an other can be, be getting disadvantaged. And I don't know if that's fully true in America, but I think a part of us realizing as white people is that, you know, a lot of times when we have profited in the past historically in America, that was at the expense of others. So in order to write that, it's probably going to require some sacrifice. It might require you to make less in an income. It might require that you have to pay higher taxes. We don't have to get into that, <laughs> but it might have to require you to actually sacrifice more of your current, you, your life might get less comfortable. Um, you might have less leisure. You might have less pleasure in some of your, your home life. Um, but that's the commitment as Christians. We're, we're supposed to forsake it all. We're supposed to lose the world in order to gain Jesus. Um, and so that's, that's kind of a part of, you know, my emphasis. And Tim Keller talks about this. I think we may have talked in another episode where he says that, Righteous people are the ones who uh, disadvantage themselves for the benefit of their community. And wicked people are the ones who disadvantage their community for the benefit benefit of themselves. And so for me, that I want to, anytime, I mean, I, I mean, I might be a little reckless, but I have this thought of like, if someone, you know, wanted to mug me on the street and take my money, it'd be like, well, what else do you need? Like, to, for someone to get there who wants to do that, like, what else do you need? Or I'm like, take anything from me. Like, I don't, maybe that's my privileged mind speaking, thinking that I can live with nothing because I've lived with so much. Um, and so I want to check that. But I also want to live in a, in a manner that it's like, man, what, what do I need to give up in order to help others? Whether that's money, whether that's comfort, whether that's privilege, whether that's my Xbox, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I, I want to I try to give up as much as I can in order to help others. I don't care to hold on 
to, to my savings account or to my 401k or to my nice cozy apartment. Um, if, if holding on to those things means I forfeit my soul or neglect the poor, then I want to give it all up. Uh, take it away from me right now, Jesus. I ask you, Jesus, to take that away from me. Because um, I think that's what our calling is. And if we actually believe the gospel, then that's um, what I think our mindset should be. Not just with race, but with the poor, with the marginalized, um, with so many different groups. And so, Ryan, can you talk a little bit about maybe, like, how do you... So I have all these letters, um, A, R, C, maybe S. Should people just be focusing on one of them? Uh, or is there is there a dance between all these that we should kind of walk? How do we maybe find our lanes? I mean, we talked a little bit about fives, <laughs> helping to focus on the awareness. But do you, mm. do you have any insight for us on like, do I have to do all three of these things every single day, all the time? Or like, what what is the dance uh, that I should be focusing on? How should I kind of go about these? Yeah, I think... Uh these letters kind of this is why i like threes um so much because i do think there is and because an inherent... you are one. Oh yeah <laughs> uh that's true but i'm a black three uh so things get a little yeah. different um yeah because uh, i've met a lot of white threes and i i'm like man there's similarities but huh anyways um we we all have this built-in propensity towards being probably strongest in one stronger in another and then weak in another and you just have to know where you're at with that so so for me i typically land towards relationships and the uh awareness piece uh i'm black in this so that like that changes the even the model in that sense of like i am committed because simply being alive is my commitment like that's to be black is really to be organized and is to to be in spaces and to show up like I, I'm doing that. So you have to let me just be in my lane here for a second. But I know I operate the best in the R and I'm probably second strongest in the A, the awareness. Um, and so for you guys, I don't use it as a cop out, but here's the reality. If I'm going to put you on a bike, let's use mountain biking. Here we go. So that's what I do. Uh, for exercise now. If I'm going to put you on a bike, I'm not going to put you on a trail that you don't know how to how to, how to to work yet. I'm going to put you on an easy trail, and then over time, you'll do harder trails and harder trails, but then over time, you'll learn your own body. You'll learn your own uh, propensities. You'll learn your own strength at certain points in trails, and you'll learn how you move, and then eventually, you'll be able to move into the trails you really like depending on how your strengths are oriented. And so for you guys listening, if you're thinking, man, which one of these, do I separate them? Do they dance? I do think there's overlap, but you'll want to do the self-awareness work as well to know, man, how has God called me um, to be more effective in this space? The church has people that are so good at seeing the teaching and the connectedness of scripture and opening that up. And it has people that are so good at meeting people one-on-one -on -one or in large groups or running small groups and, uh, you know, connecting there's people that are so good at the commitment, who can see the vision, who can drive, who know the long game, that don't take uh, small losses as losing the war. Um, and so I think you have to find where your own makeup is and, and how you've been wired and your giftings and your passions. And then you staff your weaknesses. So let yourself get called out. Let yourself be in community with other people uh, so that you aren't like overwhelmed by trying to do all these at the same time. Um, does that make sense, Colton? Are you tracking with that? Yeah, 
I mean, it's hard to track with it when I think I do all of them super well, Ryan. So it's like it's hard to fully. <laughs> Colton's resonate. an eight, by the way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like when I try to find weakness, yeah. there is none to be found. It's like error. Yeah, error I don't, cannot I don't find even know what that file. Is, dude. User error. User error. Um, no, it's not user error. It's a system error because I don't have any errors as a user. Right. No. right. And I think that sure. I think that's helpful because I think. You know, for some of us friends out there, again, I'm th- I think it's easiest to, to pick on my five friends because uh, I love the Enneagram Five. And for those of you who don't know this, these are people who are a little bit more observant. We love our fives. They are maybe an engineer, maybe an accountant. Um, they're the <laughs> ones that are... <laughs> the I ones live with are... one. He's the best. Yeah. I wish I could clone him and pass him out as a gift to oh all my of gosh. you listeners. Fives are a gift to the world. Um, they are. But they are they're, they're observers. They love to be experts on topics or issues. Um and so they're just naturally going to be really good at educating us. They're going to be naturally really good at uh, doing the awareness piece. Uh, the, the fives generally aren't great at getting in their body and doing action. Um, so commitment's going to be their their challenge. Relationships might be a little bit more of their challenge of actually taking that step and moving from the brain to the heart to the hands. Um, but yeah, I think that's helpful just to like figure out what your strengths are. Okay, try to like press into those and use those strengths in a uh, constructive way. But also, like, expose yourself to your weaknesses. I know for me this is extremely hard. Um, what am I not good at of those three? Or maybe the fourth one. Um, what do I struggle with? What do I have a lot of pride about? Um, what am I not willing to give up? And that might help you figure out, kind of define your bearings on where where maybe your, your forte is, maybe where you dabble in, and maybe where you just support financially to other ones. Um, there's, a, there's a lot. Of, you can support A's, you can support R's, and you can support C's financially. All of them have oh, different definitely. organizations. Um, to support those. Um, so as we kind of get to the, the end here, um, I think it might be important to, to talk a little bit about, um, this is, I wrote some of these, these notes up right after the, the insurrection happened at the Capitol. <laughs> so this is completely probably outdated now in March. There's probably some new, new thing. Maybe, I don't know. It's a Biden presidency. Maybe there's not as much controversy. I don't know. Um, but it, it, it's a lot of times when stuff like that happens, like the Capitol or another black man gets shot. Um, there's a lot of us who maybe quote unquote get it or who are like empathetic, who are just like, I'm so shocked and horrified. Um, like, I can't believe this happened. How could this ever have happened? I'm stunned by this. And in some ways, I appreciate the fact that evil should still shock us in some ways. It should still surprise us. It should like constantly be shocking us to our core of our depravity. But in other ways, it's kind of blindness. Um, it, it's like this horrifying response of like, oh, it's just so evil. I can't even fathom someone who would do that. Um, in some ways, we're just we're kind of separating ourselves from the evil. Um, you know, with the capital is a perfect example. It's like, oh, man, I would never do something like that. And it's like, well, some of us are a part of ideological groups. <laughs> that That's the natural result, maybe, of where that goes. Um, and so Dallas Willard says that your system is perfectly designed to get the result you are getting. So again, if we keep on seeing pastors having affairs, if we keep on seeing black men getting shot, if we keep on seeing these certain racial events keep on happening, are we going to continue to act like we're so shocked and horrified at how evil the world is? Are we going to start to realize that some of our systems, procedures, policies are actually giving us this result? Like we shouldn't be surprised if the system is set up that way. This is what's going to happen. Like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a shock that this happens. It should be like, oh, I'll be surprised when this doesn't happen. Um, I'm not going to be surprised when this does happen. Amen. And so it's one of those things where, again, we are listening to this. I mean, even as we're going through the ARC method, legit, as an Enneagram 8, as a prideful human being, I have a thought of like, man, I do all three of these pretty well. <laughs> like, that's just in my being. 
Um, it, we we're always thinking like the Pharisees where I'm the one who's in. I'm not the one who's out. I'm the one who gets it. I'm not the one who doesn't get it. Even the disciples were like this. We're the ones who are going to be at the right hand of Jesus in glory. And all the other people that don't agree with us are not. We're always viewing yeah, ourselves. Yeah, sons of thunder. We're always viewing ourselves as the in party and not the out party. We're the one that's True. on the right team, not on the wrong team. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's actually this story from Tyler Burns who, uh, who works with Jamar. Jamar Tisby, the, the person that we quoted on this book. Um, he tells a story. Um, he's the president of the Witness of Black Christian Collective. But he tells a story of preaching at a white church right after Charlottesville's um, white supremacy rally. He didn't, they, it wasn't like uh, they had planned to have him come in. He was just already scheduled to speak, and it was the day after the Charlottesville um, white supremacist rally. And so he changed his sermon and basically started preaching condemning white supremacy and white folk who were complicit in that supremacy. Um, and once he got done, this is what he kind of recounted. He said the church started cheering for him. Like they were like they were just started clapping for him and, and clapping for his sermon and his good message. And he was so perplexed because he was he thought in his head he was rebuking them. <laughs> them in the crowd. Like these white white Christians who are complicit in this. And they they cheered and he realized it's because they were cheering because they were talking about someone outside the church. Like it wasn't them sitting in the pews that he was critiquing or condemning. It was them outside. Um, it was, it's not us. It's those out there. Um, and so it kind of just shows our blindness that, again, if you look throughout the Gospels, Jesus is constantly flipping on its head who's in and who's out. And who, especially who thinks they're in and who thinks they're out. I mean, just go read it. It's literally all the most unlikely people are the ones that actually get it. And the most likely people who should get it don't. Um, and this is true of, of American Christianity right now. It's true of uh, enslaved times in America. The biblical Christians were the slave owners, and the ones that were not faithfully following the Bible anymore were the abolitionists. That's how they viewed it. Ooh. Abolitionists were the ones that were straying from the text, and slave owners were the ones that were actually following the text. And I can show you countless examples of that, so I'm not going to even share them here. Um, so that's just something I think to, to kind of give us some pause. Um, when we go into these situations again, for those of us who get it, um, whether we get it and we think Ryan and Colton are stupid or whether we get it and we think Ryan and Colton are right, we all just need to have some humility, um, with, with realizing that, Hey, constantly thinking we're in the right party and in the right camp and not having humility is the very thing the scripture has been trying to warn us about, um, throughout a ton of the gospels. So with that, um, Ryan, we, we have like a biblical section here. I didn't put anything in the Bible because it's like we just did 14 episodes where every episode we really <laughs> like hit on the Bible. So it's like, yeah, how much dude. more Bible do you need? Um, but do you uh, have any thoughts yeah. like just on a greater Christian church spectrum about uh, this before maybe we can like plug some organizations? <clears throat> yeah, I think um, one, we read epistles terribly. And I think if you're listening and you made it this far, go read Second Corinthians and don't read it as a theological treatise or as something to tell you how to live your Christian life. Read it as Paul pleading with a church to be in community and to care for people who have sinned and to care for people uh, who have been swindled by wealth and by um, uh, caring about super apostles that weren't him. And, and his relationship feeling broken with them. And the Corinthians were wealthy. And I think we need to read ourselves as Paul, not as we got it right, but as weak. Because Paul is talking about his weakness. He's talking about the the complexity of pleading with this church to, 
to um, wrestle with their own sin issues and wrestle with how they've been complicit in 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 wealth and wrestle with how they've uh, outcasted people. Like the Corinthians are such a good word picture for our current um, American moment. And Paul is going to them in weakness, and they're saying, "You're not smart enough. You don't know enough." You haven't given us enough. You're you're smart in your letters. You're smart in your podcast, Ryan, but but not in person. <laughs> and it's where's it's all the stats big, now, Ryan? <laughs> right, right. And and Paul is going pleading, maybe not even figuring it all out, to go and and say, "You guys need to return to the real gospel of Jesus, and you need to actually embody that gospel." Yeah. What are you doing? I love you so much. Please. Don't make this more painful than it has to be. But God's given me authority, so I'm going to come and talk to you about it. And we need to read 2 Corinthians that way. Of I'm coming to bring peacemaking and weakness, not peacekeeping, where we shove things away or we don't, or we minimize it, or we say, "Well, I just don't know what to do." But we are peacemakers, and that means we get embedded in the conflict, and that means we are weak because we don't have it all figured out, and we can trust Jesus in that. So yeah. that's. Yeah. That's at least been my personal reading the last two weeks. So yeah. I feel like that's good for now. No, that's good. And I, I, I have one one little last story before maybe we can talk about organizations so that way we can point people to yep. something. Um, and I hope my dad's okay with sharing this. But basically, my Vince. dad's... Vince. Vincenzo Mayo, uh, my middle name, mm. my namesake. Um, he, he's a man that had a rough rough going uh, when he was younger. Broke Broke his kneecap, basically. Had to get nasty surgeries has a lot of like health issues um, that just causes a lot of pain in his back and his knees and his legs, whatever. Um, and sometimes since he's been cl- like complaining about pain for so long, and even my friends probably know me, I'm always aching <laughs> about my back or rolling over. Um, but since he's been complaining about it for so long, there's sometimes where our family um, would just not believe his pain and just be like, oh, it's all in his head or oh, he's probably not really hurting or whatever. And he's like pleading like, no, I'm really in pain. Like, can you please like show some sympathy or empathy for me? And so it's one of those things where it's like, when I when I think this conversation, if you got to the end of this episode or the end of the season and you're like, I don't know if I agree with anything Colton or Ryan said about the actual historical reality, the statistical reality of black Americans. At the bare minimum, though, there are people who are image bearers of God, who are your fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus, who are saying, I'm in pain. And instead of trying to just argue them out of pain or instead of trying to give them statistical analysis away from pain, can we just sit in pain with them? Um, like I, I think again, the, the scripture of rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn is so beautiful because it's like, I'm just going to mourn. Even if I don't fully understand, even if I don't fully agree, you are clearly in pain. And so I'm going to sit with you in that and try to do whatever I can to alleviate that. Um, I'll take the consequences of what that alleviation might do to other ramifications, but I'm going to try to seek to alleviate that pain in the same way, like rejoicing with those who rejoice. Um, I have two friends I've made here in Seattle um, that work at the local Euro shop. They're two uh, Jordanian immigrants. Um, and I just, I get Euros with them every week. Um, and around the election time, we were talking a lot. Um, and they were asking about it. Obviously, they were more rooting for Biden <laughs> uh, because of uh, some of the immigration policies and how that affect them and their visas. Um, but when, when Biden ended up winning, they like invited me to come in to celebrate with them and to like have free baklava and to have a free Euro with them and to just eat with them mm. um, and do life with them. And yeah, even though I wasn't like, as a, as a white man, uh, independent, I wasn't super excited that Biden won. Um, it's not like Biden's where my hope is at or that it's like this, even this joyous cause for celebration necessarily. 
Um, I get why it is in, in some reasons. But I celebrated with them that night because these were people who were maybe on the lower totem pole of American society and how we treat people. And they were excited and rejoicing about this. And it wasn't they were rejoicing about something evil. They were rejoicing about something that was genuinely good for them. And so in a lot of ways, it's like, can we just honor those who are in pain? Can we rejoice with them when there's a reason to rejoice because they get out of suffering? <laughs> like, it's almost like yeah. when sometimes uh, black people want to say, I'm black and I'm proud. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, why, why do you have to be so celebratory about it? Why do you got to be so arrogant about it? It's like, do you realize what, what, why they're proud? Because it, like they had no reason to be proud because America basically destroyed them for years and years. So it's a, it's a recapturing of dignity um, and image bearing. And so just as a, as a final last call to myself and to others, it's like even if we don't fully agree or fully understand, um, I, I just feel like we can at least at the bare minimum mourn. Like when Ryan's in pain, we could be in pain with Ryan and try to help seek to, to end where that pain's coming from. We also rejoice when good things happen as well. Like, I just think that's a bare, bare minimum human uh, response. So, Ryan, do um, you want to plug some uh, organizations? Because, again, we're just two dudes in our 20s that worked at churches, white churches. But there's a lot of black Christians out there um, and black organizations that are actually trying to fix. They're actually doing the commitment <laughs> or awareness. Yeah, or, they're or, like, they're, they're doing it hardcore um for sure for so sure. do you have any in your mind i got a few but i know we uh some of these we donate to some of those we don't but you got any in your mind yeah uh grassroots law um that's the first one that comes to mind uh it's uh basically it was started by sean king and uh you can say what you want about sean king whatever but the <laughs> the thing that i really appreciate about lee Merritt, he's uh he's a civil rights lawyer he's been doing this thing for almost a decade now he's legit uh, for some really prolific national cases of what we've been seeing um and he's and he's won and he's gone to the white house and he's lost and so he's just in the thick of it uh he, he's a follower of jesus he's in the black church tradition i don't know exactly what denomination um uh, but he he's a solid guy and and they're expanding and they're always improving and they're trying to give more resourcing and so i donate to them monthly they've helped me a ton in the terms of like understanding and and trying to know like kind of where where my money's going and at the same time what i need to be praying for and what i need to be bringing awareness to in my predominantly white area here out in mesa so grassroots law i really love what they do um the witness black christian collective i'm i'm wanting to give to them next um i also donate to the libertarian party uh, <laughs> uh monthly um, libertarian and, ryan right right i support missionaries um as well and i have a missionary that i support who's who's uh helping uh, refugees and minorities in Dallas actually just move uh, couches and, and fridges and big appliances and beds into uh, different apartments and, and living situations that they're in. Um, but I would love to eventually donate to The Witness uh, yeah. for black Christians. And they've got great content and resources, too. You should check them out. Jamar Tisby, Tyler Burns. And The Witness is, uh, yeah, Jamar, Jamar Tisby, Tyler Burns. We mentioned yeah. both of them in this episode. Right, right. And so those are two that come to mind. Um, Colton, what about you? Yeah, I uh, love those two as well. The Witness also has a podcast called Pass the Mic, um, which will That's be good. Dude. Um, they're so good, they're kind of fiery. Um, they are. They like yeah. Sometimes I'm like I get a little too amped, and I'm like I want to go. I want to go punch something. Not that that's what they do, <laughs> but it's like me, uh, me and who I am. Uh, that's how yeah. I internalize uh, energy. Is like yeah, let's go hit something, but in a nonviolent way. Um, your. So there's also the Anne campaign. Uh, I've mentioned them before. Um, it's by Justin Gibney. 
Um, they also have a podcast called Church and Politics Podcast. Uh, but the Anken came really is like campaign is focusing on like not getting caught up in the the two party bipartisan um, kind of binary that we find ourselves in, but really trying to seek, you know, what it, what is the Christian view on policies, issues, and things. We don't care what the conservative view is or the liberal view. We're we're trying to seek what the Christian view is, and we're not going to, you know, advocate for anything that doesn't fit that. So in the same way how like right. you see some Republicans or liberals who are Christians concede on some points about their Christian faith in order to get political power, the AND campaign is specifically about doing the opposite of that <laughs> um, and being fully Christian, fully black, and fully proud about that. Um, so that's another Amen. big one. Um, the other one is uh, the Equal Justice Initiative. I get to this one as well. Um, so the Equal Justice Initiative, this is, uh, if you've seen the movie Just Mercy, um, but it's Brian Stevenson. Basically, he, he works on trying to get people um, out of unjust convictions or too harsh convictions um, and even works with some people on death row. And then the Innocence Project is another one that works with death row inmates um, to try to get them off. Um, and then finally, on a, on a very more Christian side, all these, all these people are, are Christians. They're just doing things in the secular world. But this one is ex- explicitly, mm-hmm. explicitly like church, Christian, is the Crete Collective. Um, the Crete Collective is basically supporting churches in predominantly impoverished minority areas. Um, this is especially like church plants because um, a lot of our church plants are supported uh, that are just white and white evangelical church plants that go into these new cities and, and plant more white churches. So this is focusing on trying to really um, help support minority churches or minority church plants. And I can't pronounce his name. I should practice on it, so that's on me. But Ryan, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Uh, he runs the Creek Collective. It's uh, Tabidi. Uh, oh, Tabidi Anyobile. Yep. Uh, so he's awesome. You can follow him on Twitter, too. He used to be a pastor in the Southern Baptist Convention and then left. Um, and now he helps run this amongst doing other things. Um, so there's just a few of them. Again, you can go find anywhere else. Um, but we just figured that's, we've given you a Bible. These other places will give you more Bible. <laughs> um, but it's better that we connect you with people who've been in the game much longer than us, than rather just right. us two. Who, you know, we have some good thoughts, but we still got, we got years and years to, to learn more and grow more and change. Um, so, yeah. Amen. Any last thoughts on season one, Ryan? No, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, tell your friends. Uh, tell your friends' friends. Tell your plants. Tell your, uh, tell your, your plant parents. Tell your make plants. Make sure your plants are also listening. Tell your essential oils. Yeah, the leaves are going to be for the healing of the nations in Revelation That's 22. True. So make sure that That's you true. tell your, your yeah. plants and your essential oils. We should, we I don't should know why start I there, an I'm essential sorry. oil company called the Healing of the Nations. Um, Dude, that would and, be actually kind of popping. Yeah. All proceeds go to black and brown churches. Yeah, but it's it's still a pyramid scheme that's mostly attracting white women. Um, so that's yeah, mid level marketing. <laughs> anyway, we got some uh, we got some good episodes coming yeah. in season two about reparations. Yeah, we're excited about both sidesism, what aboutism, um, and then we do mm-hmm. have some plans and eventually bringing in some other voices. Um, potentially, we'll see how long we want to do this, but potentially bringing in you know I have a, I have a really good friend who's a Korean American in a white church um, and other other no similar... Colton only only black. That's, that's true. That's the only, only black men in white only church. Black. Um, but so just to keep on the horizon for those of you who've been listening, it's like, well, what about like my plight as uh, a Latinx person in white church? It's like, hey, well, we love mm. to get to that, but we don't want to speak in a, in a lane that we really are not in. Um, and so we hope to bring on some people maybe in the future, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll yep. see you guys in a few weeks. Cause we're going to take a little break here between season one and season two. We'll catch you on the next one. 